Thanks, Duke. If you will, take your Bibles a turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. This month we're celebrating Jesus. I mean, after all, it is his birthday, isn't it? His birthday. I'll be honest with you, sometimes when I see the priorities placed before us, I wonder if we really realize that it's Jesus' birthday or not. This week, as um, I went through all the things that I was going through, is that I got to thinking about this thing called a sermon, this thing called a Sunday message. I say this to you from time to time, but I want it to be pointed with you, is that preparing a message for Sunday is not just pre- pre- it's not about just preparing a lecture that's not particularly boring. It's literally about attempting to share truth through personality and a truth in such a way that it will impact those who hear it to change hearts, to change lives, and to get us in on God's agenda. And I'll just tell you, every time I stand behind this pulpit, his pulpit, that is my charge and my goal. Now this month... We're focusing on celebrating Jesus. Celebrating Jesus. Now, did you get that? Celebrating Jesus. Two important concepts. Celebrating and Jesus. And, you know, I'm just telling you things you don't have to know. Is that I wonder sometimes why the celebrating part is such an untapped part. Why, Pud, we haven't really been known to be celebrating things. The words, hello, the word celebrate and its derivatives. Well, let me say it this way. Before I explain that, let me say it this way. I had really been wondering why we didn't celebrate. Why it really wasn't big with us, why it was almost taboo, why it was off the board. And then I read this week on BibleStudyTools.com the reason. And it made perfect sense. Some of you are going to be offended. That's not, certainly not my intent. Interpretation, that is moving from one language to another, linguistic interpretation, is not a science, it's an art. And so, and so the interpreters try to lift out, lift out the meaning as best they can, and, and they use terms that are friendly to the culture that they're in. For instance, the King James Version of the Bible, 1600s, 17th century, that's what it was. They, in, they use the word celebrate and all of its derivatives Three times in the whole Bible. Then you get to the New International Version, just to pick one out. In the 1970s, using the same text except for the new ones that they had found with the Dead Sea Scrolls, they interpreted, they used celebrate or one of its derivatives over 80 times. Now, what caused the difference? Is one of them inspired, one of them's not? No. The truth is, is that in the, in the 1600s, 
celebration was not looked on as a as a big thing when you think of that culture that stayed culture they used words that spoke to that culture at that time and the new international version is not one of my favorite versions but it's just a, for instance other versions are the same way and time you get to the late 21st century 20th into the 21st century Celebration means different things. The words are still there. In, in the Hebrew language, it's hadag, which means prepare, keep, observe, a feast, or celebrate. The noun, hog, means that indicates a festival, a celebration. And the verb, asos, means to do, to make. And so when you do a verse-by-verse verse check of all of these translations as best you can, you know what you discover? That the culture of the day influence the words to be used. Now, you may be offended at that, but let me just give you one uh, stark truth. A hundred years ago, the word gay meant one thing. And although I reject the way we use it today, today the word gay means entirely something different. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Words change with the culture. And the truth is, let's just be honest, most of us in this room cut our teeth on that 16th, uh, 17th century, 1600 KJV uh, version of the Bible, and it's something we're comfortable with. And so celebration has never really been a part of it. But here's what I want to do. I'm not, I'm not going to spend all day telling you about this, but I want to... Emphasize with us this thing of celebration because the Bible is replete with, with celebration. Even the King James doesn't say it or some of the other translations don't say it. Let me just give you two or three examples. And you'll go, well, yeah, if I was there, I'd have been celebrating. You ready? How about when the children of Israel were in Egypt in captivity? Moses had come. They had survived nine plagues. You know, the frogs, the flies, the the fish, y'all got me? Nine, nine plagues. And then Moses came to them and I said, look, he said, this last one's going to be the booger. You need to kill a sheep. You need to put the blood over the door and it'll protect your firstborn. Now, is there anybody in here who would not have protected your firstborn if God had sent you that word? And the, and the word is that they worshiped and they celebrated. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there the night when they put the put the blood on the door. How about the next morning? Can you imagine the celebration that's gone up as they were crying over in Egypt because they had they had a, a not heard God's word and their firstborn was dead and the firstborn here was alive. Can you imagine the celebration that goes up? That's a place for a smile. How about Nehemiah? When Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem and he built the wall and they wanted to dedicate the wall, they called the Levites in. And the Levites, all the Levites came all over the place for a joyous celebration. And they celebrated with symbols. They celebrated with hearts. They celebrated with lyres. They had a hoot nanny for God. But I can't think about any celebration without thinking about the celebration that we honor today. You look in Luke 2. Now, we're not going to Luke 2. That's not where our text is. These are still illustrations. The angels are on those on the hills. I mean, the shepherds are on the hills. The angels appeared to them and said, go check it out for yourself. And it says, and the shepherds returned, verse 20, glorifying 
and praising God. I bet everybody heard them for miles around because they had found the baby Jesus. Or how about even Matthew 2 where the wise men went to Nazareth quite likely and saw this 18-month-old Jesus. And they went home glorifying and praising God. You see, folks, when you see that, when you see the goodness of God coming into our lives, when you see him uh, fulfilling one promise after another, man, what a reason to celebrate. Celebrating should be hardwired into our into our psyche. In fact, it is. We celebrate all kind of things. I talked about it last week. We just simply love to celebrate. We celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and retirements and wins. We, we love to celebrate. So why not celebrate the best thing that's ever happened? I mean, we say we love Jesus, right? That's why we're here this morning. We say, we say we love Jesus. We know that he was born, that he lived, that he died, that he rose, that he ascended, and he did all these things. So that we could be forgiven of sin, so that we could be made right before the Father and have a full relationship with God once again. We also know that without Jesus, that new kid in town, that baby, we also know that without Jesus, we have no hope of knowing God. We have no hope of being forgiven. We have no hope of missing eternal punishment, of missing hell. We have no hope of making heaven and having eternal life. We know that without Jesus, we have no hope. The Bible tells us that we are dead in trespasses and sin and that Jesus is the only one to give us eternal life. If he's done these things... If he's done this thing for you, if he's done these things in you, why wouldn't you celebrate? So why don't we do something before I really launch off into the message of the day? I'd like you to cooperate with me. I'd like to have every eye on me. And if you can't put it on me, just close it. I don't want you looking around. And we're going to do, a couple months ago we used this scripture in our worship scripture. We're going to examine yourselves, how you're in the faith, prove yourselves, know yourself. We're going to do the examination. Here's the question. Don't look at anybody else. This is you, your question. What is the most important thing in your life? Who is the most important person in your life? What is the most important event in your life? Most important. Now, don't try to second guess yourself. You're thinking, well, it's it's this, but we're in church, so he wants it to be this. No. This is a very revealing question. You can't second guess yourself. Whatever came to your mind first is it. 
Not only do you know it's it, God knows it's it. Was it Jesus? Was it really Jesus? Brother Jerry, I don't think I like that. I don't think I like what you're saying. I don't, I don't, even, think I dis, I don't even think I agree with it. My heart today is to get us honest before God. Because this is the question that we must answer. This is the question we must come to terms with. Is it truly Jesus the number one place in your life? Almost 20 years ago, I asked a question like this in a church. And I know you're going to think this is judgmental. God knows my heart. It's not that way. It's just the fruit of this life did not indicate salvation. And a lady told me later, said, move on. We get your point. I will move on. But if you get the point, I hope you'll take the point because it's not mine. It's his. If you don't like that question or how I'm putting it to you this morning, your argument's not with me. I'm just the messenger. If that, if that examination causes you problem, it's because you have a spiritual issue, not a pastoral issue. You see... On that day, on that day, you and I will give an account to God for what we have done with Jesus today. The Bible's clear. Have no other God, no one else before me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Do not go after other gods to worship and serve them. As I sat in my study a couple of days ago, working through this part of the message, my heart broke. Because I'd like to think that everyone in this room has experienced Christ in such a life-changing way. That no matter how you ask the question, he's on the top. He's the first in priority. He's the first in life. But I'm going to end. I'm going to pass this point. I've made it well enough that the Lord can use it in your heart. Here's what I'd like to say to you today. Us on the creek. The cultural Jesus won't Get it done. It's only the personal Jesus. The cultural Jesus is a poor imitation of the real thing. You can look in this book right here. And every person Jesus met personally, their lives were changed. They celebrated because of what he did in their life. In fact, there's only one person that I know in all the scripture that met Jesus and then just walked away and wasn't changed. 
And it was the rich young ruler. Because he wouldn't put away the priorities and the gods of his life. And make Jesus. You know what? The rich young ruler says he walked away sadly. When I think about that picture, I think Jesus probably had tears in his eyes. Because the the young man chose his own gods instead of Jesus. You see, folks, the reason to celebrate is because Jesus has come to give us all, to be all, to change all. What a reason to celebrate. Last week, and that, that song, and I'm glad I sang it, but I didn't write it. But the words say celebrations come because of something good. Celebrations we love to recall. When I read the Bible, every time God does something significant, his people celebrate. And they enjoy celebrating. It's not something you have to twist their arm to do. They get out and they want to do it because of what Jesus has done for them. Because he's changed their life. And today we can celebrate the power. Last week we celebrated the prophecies. Today the message is celebrate the power. And I know you're getting nervous. You think, Brother Jerry, you're ever going to get to it? That's kind of been running around in my mind and heart. If you will, if you found Luke 1... Let's stand together and we'll read verses 26 through 38 together as we share a message entitled, Celebrate the Power. It is the power to change. It is the power to uh, bring life. Verse 26, follow along. This is indeed God's holy word. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greeting, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. Now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever And his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be since I've not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One will be born, excuse me, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. 
May it be done to me according to your word. What a great prayer to be prayed. Then the angel left her. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that the power of your word and the power of your presence, the power of your Holy Spirit will permeate this place in the moments that remain. And I pray that you will change our hearts in a way that they need to be changed. I pray that the celebration of who you are will erupt from our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When I read this text, I think about how many times over the years I've heard this text read and be read. And in fact, it's been read so often that sometimes I think we lose the sense of the power displayed here. So today I'm going to be simple. This is going to be one of the simplest messages and maybe shortest from here to the end that you've ever heard me preach because, <coughs> excuse me, because it's so powerful on its own. <coughs> when I read this message, I'm going to find three sources of power, three sources of power that, that help us, and they're all just kind of interwoven here. The first is the power of giving. Christmas has the power of giving. Jesus' birthday has the power of giving. Nothing is more on earth is more powerful than giving. You and I are never more like the Father than when we give. Now, you think I'm talking about money, and I will just say this straight out. I am not excluding money. I want to say, did I say that clear enough, Jimmy? I am not excluding money. Money is a part of who we are, and we should be willing to give it to Lottie Moon, we should be willing to give it to the Lord's work. We should be get willing to give it to help poor people as Jesus would talk. But here's what I'm going to tell you. You and I are never more like the Father when we are generous, and we're never more like the devil than when we're stingy and greedy. God gave Mary so much in this passage. I just sat down as I was, as I was working through. I, I want you to think about all that he gave her here. This is not in your notes, but it'll help you. Watch all he gave her. He gave her the message, the, the method of Christmas. He said, uh, you will conceive. That's the message of Christmas. Conception, life from nothing. You will conceive the method of Christmas, the message of Christmas. And you will give birth. Brothers and sisters, if there is no new birth, there is no Christmas. Jesus came to give us new birth. He was born so that we could have a new birth. The message of Christmas. The man of Christmas. He talks about Jesus. You are to name him Jesus. And we'll talk more about him next week in the person of Christmas. Jehovah saves the Son of God. Jesus. By the way, I'll just pause there to say... If it came your birthday and you got as little attention and priority on your birthday as Jesus does his, how would you feel? Just kind of have to work, have to work Jesus into our Christmas celebration because we've got other things we're going to do. Think about that. The man of Christmas. The method of Christmas. 
the Holy Spirit and the Most High will cause you to give birth to Son. It's a, it's a divine thing. Every part of the Christmas story is divine. The meaning of Christmas, I love this. That's, <coughs> that's verse 37. Nothing. <laughs> I want you to say this again. Nothing. Can you say that word with me? Nothing. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, you sounded a lot like Baptist then. Try it again. Say it with me. Nothing. One more time. Nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that? There's a reason to celebrate. Nothing is impossible with God. At Christmas time, people get in the giving spirit because we believe the words of Jesus when he says, it's better to give than to receive. I know when I was a kid, Steve, don't say a thing. When I was a kid, I used to think it was a lot better to give than to receive, so give. You see, it's better to give than to receive because it unlocks. It unlocks heaven when we give. Do you remember the old prayer? <clears throat> Debbie, when I was here last time, <clears throat> it had a, there was a real big uh, um, traditional setting of this text and then Burl read and came and put it in a, a Celebrate Life. Do you remember the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, let me show love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there's doubt, faith. Where there's despair, hope. Where there's darkness, light. Where there's sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To love as to love. Here it is. For it is in giving. It is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. It starts with the giving. You want a reason to rejoice, a reason to celebrate Jesus? You find it here in the power of giving because Jesus gave all he was. God sent Jesus, and Jesus gave all he was so that we can be all he is for as long as eternity. Hello? The power of giving. The second power is the power of, the good, power of good news. When I read this story, it's no doubt, it, it, just, it just jumps out at me that Mary was all already overwhelmed by good news. She was already overwhelmed, that might be the better way to say it, she was already overwhelmed when Gabriel began to speak, when he began his conversation, but it was his good news that won her over. 
You know, good news has a way of winning you over. Are you with me? Good news has a way of winning you over. We live in a world of bad news. Man, we woke up yesterday morning shocked at what happened in Mayfield, Kentucky. Bad news. I have a friend that lives 20 miles from ground zero. I was scared for him and his family. There's so much bad news. Read about our country. Read about what's going on in this world. So much bad news. Man, it'd make a good country song. Sure could use a little good news today. Oh, I think that's already been written, so I won't try it again. You see, folks, this is good news. Normal good news, worldly good news, brings us one thing, renewed hope, maybe laughter, maybe joy, maybe peace. But this good news that Jesus was coming, that had been for centuries on the making. They had been waiting for years and years and years all through the captivity, thousands of years earlier, all through the 400 years of the silence from God. They had been waiting for the good news, and now Mary got it firsthand. Woo! Good news. And that good news came. Jesus is the good news, and he came, and he started a movement that continues today. And I'm just going to say this to you. I don't want to be a bummer. But the only thing that can stop this movement of his good news of eternal life would be for those who claim to have the good news, know the good news, and hold the good news to keep it to themselves. Hello? To keep it to themselves. And I have to tell you, there are people in our community that don't know the good news. There are people you rub shoulders with. You've never, you, know, you don't even really think about it because you've known them so long. People you rub shoulders with that don't have a clue about Jesus. If God gives me strength, I'm here long enough. And my prayer of my heart is, God, let us be the catalyst that bring people to know that Jesus is not just a good idea or something we do on Sunday. He is someone we live with and walk with every day. Jesus is still the reason to celebrate. He's the reason for the season. He is the reason. We talk about it being good news before I pass this. I'm just going to say this to you about your friends who don't know Jesus. And you go, it's good news. Yes, it is good news. Sammy Gilbert, the evangelist and director in Alabama, is a miracle that he's even alive. But one of his one of his uh, coin statements is this, and it's so true. Good news is only good news if you hear it in time. Good news is only good news if you hear it in time. You see, if we're going to celebrate Jesus and his power, his power gives us, gives us the strength to share his love. Share his truth. Share his life if we have it in us. Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate the power, the power of giving, the power of good news, and finally the power of God. <laughs> I just, I wanted to know, how, how, God, how can I end this? The power of God. How many ways are there to display true power? 
How many ways were they to display to to display true power? To mankind, there's only one. Hey guys, men on the creek. All that is is that you show that you're the big kid on the block by beating up the big bully. That's how we show that we got power. That's mankind's way. But that's not God's way. Are you listening? That's not God's way. His power seems to work opposite of mankind. In the scriptures, there's this Greek word dunamis, and from it you get dynamite. It means power. Dunamis, power. Dynamite, power. Dynamite, power. But may I just tell you, dynamite tends to blow things up. Are y'all with me? Give me a nod to let me know that you know what I'm talking about. Dynamite tends to blow things up. Taken from that same word is the word dynamic. Dynamic puts things together, puts things in order. You see, God's power seems to work dynamically and not like dynamite. It seems to work in the opposite of mankind. I mean, think about this. Had God done it man's way, when Jesus was born, it had been a marquee instead of a manger. It had come in on a white stallion instead of having little sheep stand by him. It had been born in a palace and not a stable if he had done it man's way. But he chose a manger, not a parade. He chose a virgin, not a queen. He chose obscurity, not celebrity. God's power takes a virgin and produces a holy son. He takes a young carpenter and creates a savior. He takes the lion of Judah and creates this lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He takes a pauper and makes him into a prince. And here's the big deal. Because of all that, he takes a sinner like you and me. And he makes him into a saint fit for the portals of heaven. That's the power of God. You want a reason to celebrate? There's the power to celebrate. Pray with me. (coughs) Heavenly Father, I thank you for how you work. I thank you that you've given us so many things to celebrate. And I pray that you will open our eyes to the beauty of what you do, to the wonder of what you do. I pray if there's someone here that has never experienced your saving grace, I pray that you'll not let them out of the room today. 
until they make that decision and invite you into their life. I pray that you'll not let us just get by with trusting the cultural Jesus, but that you'll impress on us the Jesus that changes everything. Be with us in this room. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.